morning. Appreciate it very much. And as the ushers come forward and collect the tithes and offerings, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to be kind of doing a whirlwind this morning. We are in the middle of a series on the parables of Jesus, but we're taking a time out from the sermon series this morning, and we're going to do something different. So just have your Bible open. You're going to start in Psalm 23, and we'll, uh, we'll move on from there. I want to start, though, by saying Happy Father's Day to all the fathers Uh, I think sometimes you come to church on Father's Day and the preacher preaches a sermon on Father's Day and you go home thinking, I'm not a really good father or I need to be a much better father. And that's probably the last thing in the world that should happen on Father's Day. So what I want to do today is simply say thank you to all the men who have uh, been given the mantle of being a father and let you know that uh, I am praying for you, we are praying for you and we hope that you will revel in this opportunity that is before you and that uh, through the power of the Lord, you'll be the very best father you possibly can be. And if you are someone that has a father, do something today to let your father know how much you love him, even, uh, even if it's not something extravagant like steak and shrimp at a five-star restaurant. Do something to let them know how much they mean to you. The Dominican Republic trip returned Tuesday, and I've had uh, one of the teenagers specifically talking a lot about that trip to me, and all of them have uh, experienced life-changing events and and circumstances the week in the Dominican. I really hope you'll come back two weeks from today, not just for the Dominican coffee that's going to be served during fellowship time, but you'll come back and you will see what God is doing. Go Ministries has been in the Dominican for over a decade now. Uh, probably actually close to two decades, and uh, just some of the stories of recovery that has taken place, the stories of um, malnutrition being affected positively, uh, children uh, that, that 10 years ago just had very little hope that now look very healthy because of some of the feeding programs that are going on. It, it just moved me to tears when Jordan was telling me about it on Thursday evening, and you will not want to miss what is going to be shared at... Um, on the June 30 services at 8.15 and 11 o'clock. And then just a quick quick reminder, we do have a congregational meeting at the end of our service this morning. I hope you won't leave. Uh, won't last long. Mark Witzke, chairman of our elders, will be presiding over the meeting. He's going to share with you an update. And also we'll be voting on the three men that have been nominated to serve as elder this year. Chris Moody, who has never been an elder before, has been nominated for a one-year initial term. And Ty Osterber and Mark Behrens, who have served as elders before, will be uh, eligible for three-year terms. And we are hoping that you will vote and affirm them this morning. If they are affirmed, they'll begin serving on July the 1st. I received a letter like I've never received before, exactly six months ago today, from a a member of our church resigning his uh, longtime membership of our church, and I'm not going to read all the gory details, and I'm not going to share his name, but there, there was a couple sentences in here that really grabbed me, and I hope they really grab you. Here's what it says. He says, First Christian Church and I have grown to have different interests. I do not care about little children being a lifetime single. I do not care about foreign missions in Africa and Mexico. And then he goes on and and shares about what he does care about and how he feels like he's been ignored. And you're probably wondering, wow, that's an opening illustration I didn't expect to hear from today. I share that with you because I hope First Christian Church is always a church that is concerned about little children. 
and grade school children and junior high students and senior high students. I'll never apologize for that. I'll never apologize that you come in on a Sunday morning and it looks like you're in a castle because we're getting ready for vacation Bible school. I make no apologies. If that offends you, um, take this with grace. I don't care, quite honestly, because one of the most important things we can do is raise up the next generation of students, not just to go to church, not just uh, to, to make a pew warm, but to absolutely fall in love with Jesus. And that's what's going to happen this week at First Christian Church. I did something. Go ahead and clap if you want to. That's fine. That's great. I didn't share that for applause, but that probably is applause worthy. I did something today I've never done before. I drove into church and on my drive-in decided I'm going to throw the sermon to next week and I'm going to preach something totally different today. I want you to understand what your children and your grandchildren and your neighbors and the students in Clinton, Illinois and the surrounding communities are going to be studying this week because I think this week is one of the most important weeks of the year for the ministries of First Christian Church. We're going to have hundreds of students and adults walking through those doors beginning probably about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. VBS is going to start at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. And you are going to have students that for the very first time are going to hear about the love of God. For the very first time are going to learn about the power of prayer. For the very first time are are going to learn how important family and friends and neighbors and, and, and people here at church can be in their faith development. People that are going to hear about the death of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for each and every one of them, but that he didn't stay in the grave, that he rose again on the third day, he rose. And because Jesus lived, because Jesus rose again, we have the hope of eternal life. We have the hope of living with God the Father forever in heaven. Uh, We're going to learn about the power of God's word. And I am just so very excited about Vacation Bible School. I just decided you need to be excited as well. So if you came to church today hoping to hear the parable of the rich fool, come back next week and we'll talk about the parable of the rich fool and greed and money and all of that. But for today, I want to talk about the next generation. I want to share with you what they're going to be studied, studying this week. And when you leave today at about 12 o'clock, I want you to be able to make a commitment that every day about 9 o'clock, you're going to pray for the staff of Vacation Bible School. Every day about 10 o'clock, you're going to pray for the students that are coming and wanting to learn. Every day at 11.30, as the students leave and some of them go home, some go to daycares, some go to grandma and grandpa's house, that the lesson that they learn that day will not just be some intellectual exercise, but it will begin to help shape who they are as someone that God loves absolutely unconditionally. So with that, this is going to be different. This is probably going to feel more like a lecture than a sermon in many ways. I'm going to be throwing a lot of scripture at you. If you really want to shake your students up, tomorrow night when you get ready to eat supper around the dinner table, before they can even tell you about vacation Bible school, you could say something like, I bet you studied Psalm 23 today. I bet you studied the psalm that David wrote, the the man who was after God's own heart. It will absolutely shake them up. VBS is this week, Monday through Friday. It's 9 a.m. to 1130. We still need help, quite honestly. We need people that can stick around after second service and help take down tables and chairs and get the classrooms ready. We have a lot of people that won't take very long. We need people that can come back at noon on Friday and help us with the teardown. We actually have a wedding in this sanctuary next Saturday. So we need to get the sanctuary clean as quick as possible for the wedding party that will be coming about 1 o'clock 
on Friday. And before I go any further, and I don't think she's here, I don't see her, um, I am really thankful for the entire VBS staff. If you're helping with VBS in any way, raise your hand right now. I, I say thank you to all of you. We couldn't do it without you. There's one person in our church that has went above and beyond for the last five months. Her name is Verna Brown. And even though she's not here, I want you to give her a round of applause because she has worked tirelessly... as VBS director. So let's do this quickly. The five days of VBS you're going to look at on day one, the students are studying David in Psalm 23, learning about God's love. Day two, we're looking at Esther, the story of Queen Esther. It's an incredible story of God's provision and God's care for his people. His people were on the verge, the Jews were on the verge of being extinct. There was an awful plot that had been hatched to exterminate all of them. And even though the name the Lord or the name God never appears in the book of Esther, it's the only book in the Bible where you don't find the Lord or the name in writing, you can see the work of the Lord alive and well throughout this book. And that's going to be Tuesday. Wednesday, we're going to look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was basically a wine taster. That was his job. Can you imagine that being your job? He was a wine taster for the king. But he had bigger dreams. He had bigger plans And he was actually used by the Lord to rebuild the fallen walls of Jerusalem. Dark, dark time in in, in God's people's history. They've been in exile for decades. And it's Nehemiah that leads this great charge to rebuild the city walls. Thursday, it's all about Jesus. We're going to look at his death. We're going to look at his burial. And most importantly, we're going to look at his resurrection and, and the power of the resurrection. And then on Friday, we're going to look at a king, uh, who, a, a young man who became king at the age of eight, Josiah. And 18 years after he became king, he instituted reforms for, for the temple and for his people. And in the midst of that, they found something that they had not seen for 75 years, and it changed everything. That's your week. So with that, let's dive in. David, Psalm 23, day one. Listen to Psalm 23. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And most of the time, when we think Psalm 23, what do we think of? Funerals, right? We read Psalm 23 at probably almost every funeral. You're probably thinking right now, as I read Psalm 23, of a funeral you've been to, my father's funeral. Psalm 23 was read. What I love about Psalm 23, what I love about Vacation Bible School 2013, is they go behind the psalm and they tell us about David, the man who was after God's own heart. The young shepherd boy who became Israel's greatest leader, it didn't happen because he was just a great warrior, even though he was. It didn't happen because he was just a great songwriter, even though he was. He wrote most of the Psalms. It was because he was a man after God's own heart, and he learned early on that God's love will help him stand strong. And that's the lesson our students are going to learn. The memory verse for Monday, I love it. Psalm 18.1, I love you, Lord, you are my strength. Now picture that with me for just a moment. Picture a second grader who has tough life circumstances, struggles in school, 
and in September, late September, has a, has a bad incident happen at some time in their life, maybe during school, maybe after school. And instead of worrying, and instead of crying, and instead of being shook up, they remember the Bible verse from Vacation Bible School. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. That could happen with a junior high student. That could happen with a fifth grader. I love that verse because it reminds us the power of God's love to help us stand strong. Monday, David, Psalm 23. Tuesday, we're looking at Esther. The story of Esther is interesting in that it takes place when God's people are in exile, and it takes place when Persia is the reigning superpower in the world. And the king of the day is Xerxes, and Xerxes, uh, you know, he had some issues, and, and one of the issues was he got really frustrated with his queen Vashti, and he deposed her. We don't know exactly what that means, but it means that she was no longer queen. So he's all alone, and he's sad, and he misses her because she was beautiful. So he decides he's going to have a beauty pageant. I'm going to find my next queen. And because God is sovereign and because God is in control, a beautiful young Jewish girl who doesn't want anyone to know that she's Jewish, her name is Hadassah, Hadassah, who is using the name Esther so no one will realize that she's Jewish, she wins the beauty contest and she becomes queen, queen of Persia, most powerful woman in the world. And she's thinking everything that's great. And then one day her uncle Mordecai comes to her. And her uncle Mordecai is just torn up. He's torn his clothes. He's wearing sackcloth. He's sitting in the ground. Queen's like, Uncle Mordecai, what's going on? There's a terrible, terrible plot to kill me and to kill all of us. The evil Haman has convinced the king that all the Jews must be wiped out. All the Jews must be exterminated. Queen Esther's not sure what she can do. She's not sure what power she really has. Remember Vashti? Vashti had been disposed. But her uncle Mordecai helps her understand that it's not an accident that she is where she is. It's not an accident that she's the queen of Persia during this time. In the verse I absolutely love, chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai says to the queen, his niece, who knows that you have come to royal position, you know it, for such a time as this. And I'm hoping that our students at Vacation Bible School will leave on Tuesday understanding the power of family, the power of friends, the, the power of community, the power of Sunday school teachers, the power of youth group leaders, the power of people of faith to help them grow. I love 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Encourage one another and build up one another. Encourage one another and build up each other. What would it be like if all of us just decided today at 11.43 on Father's Day Sunday that the petty things that bug us, the preacher's not wearing a suit, it's too hot in here, it's too cold in here, someone's got a cup of coffee in here, whatever it may be, if we just decided all of that stuff doesn't matter and we're going to encourage one another and we're going to build each other up, what, what would this church look like? What would DeWitt County look like if we just decided, you know what, the pettiness is no more. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to build up one another. What would the state of Illinois look like? What would the United States of America look like? What would my house look like? What would your house look like if we understood the power of family and friends and faith to help us stay strong? Wednesday, Nehemiah. Nehemiah also, um, his story is told during the exile. Nehemiah, the cupbearer, that means the wine taster, 
was so sad, he couldn't even carry out his job to simply put the cup of wine in the king's hand and make sure that it wasn't poisoned and the king was going to die. And the king could have just sent him packing. I mean, there's a bunch of people. That's a great job, if you think about it. That's an excellent job. You're not working hard. You're not really doing anything. You're tasting wine, making sure the king is happy. But the king has this relationship with Nehemiah, and he knows that he's upset, and he knows that he's sad, and he realizes that something must change. And so in Nehemiah chapter 2, he says to Nehemiah, basically, what's going on? What's the problem? What can I do for you? And look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. He said, I want to rebuild the holy city of Jerusalem. Can I tell you the king of Persia should have had no time for that at all? He had peoples to overrun. He had a kingdom to build. But because Nehemiah was God's man at God's time, The walls are rebuilt. The city begins the restoration process. And oh, by the way, 500 years later, it paved the way just six miles of Jerusalem from Jerusalem for a little baby boy to be born in a manger by the name of Jesus. And it all started by the power of prayer. I'm hoping that our young people this week, our students, our children, or preschoolers even, will understand that when the going gets tough, it doesn't mean we have to worry. It doesn't mean we have to fret. It doesn't mean we pull our hair out. It doesn't mean we scream. It doesn't mean we cry. It doesn't mean we drink. It doesn't mean we just have crazy reactions. The first thing we should do is pray. Look at the memory verse. Look at Philippians 4, 6. I love this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Say that with me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You can do much better than that. Let's go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. How would your life look if that was your motto for life? I have to confess to you today, I've done a lot of worrying. I've had a lot of anxiety the last couple weeks. VBS starts tomorrow. My week at camp starts in a couple weeks. This is just kind of the ulcer time of the year for me in many ways. And how much more productive would my life be if instead of worrying about anything, I just prayed about everything? And Oh, I need another helper? Okay, I'm going I'm to pray about it. Th- this crisis has erupted? Okay, well, let's pray about it. Don't worry. Be praying. Day four, it's all about Jesus. Jesus dies and he rises again. And obviously, this is the crux of the gospel. If you don't come here a lot or you don't know a lot about First Christian Church, Two verses of Scripture that you should memorize are 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Because here's what the Apostle Paul says. Chapter 15 is the resurrection chapter. He spends like 50 verses talking about the resurrection. But he starts it by saying this. This is of first importance. That Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. And what I think Paul is saying, if Paul was speaking in like Greg Taylor language, what it would be like, if you miss everything else, understand this, Jesus died for you, he was buried, and three days later he rose again. And that's the good news. And that's the gospel. And that's Thursday at Vacation Bible School 2013. We're going to talk about death. And you may say, well, that's kind of a downer. Can I tell you, I've had the opportunity in, in the last two months to visit with three different grade school students at their parents' or grandparents' request 
because they were struggling with the topic of death. Maybe someone they knew had died. Maybe someone they knew was sick. I, I had one second grader just look at me and said, I'm just afraid that, you know, my mom is going to die in the middle of the night. Is she sick? No. Is there something wrong? No. I'm just afraid of death. That, that's a real emotion for grade school students. And I am so excited that this week right here, First Christian Church, they're going to learn that you don't have to fear death. Because Jesus beat death. Jesus rose again. We don't have to fear death if Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Look at that verse, Isaiah 26, 4. Trust the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. It's an incredible, incredible promise for us to grab a hold of. Day four at VBS, Jesus dies and rises again. And then day five, we go back to the Old Testament. We go back to kind of a dark period. In, in Judah's history, Israel and Judah, the north and the south, had all kinds of struggles along the way. And um, at one point, Judah, things were so bad, they made an eight-year-old king. I mean, just think about that. For Is anybody in here eight years old? I mean, imagine the eight-year-old being king or queen. That just seems kind of crazy in many ways. But eight-year-old Josiah is made king, and he doesn't do much for the first 18 years. But at the age of 26, he decides that the temple is a mess, and he decides that reforms need to take place, and he, he rolls up his sleeves and he says, I'm going to free up some money from the treasury, and we're going to fix up the temple. We're going to make it a, a shining example of what we should be once again. And in the midst of this process, do you remember what they found? What did they find? Do you remember? The law, the book of the law, the word of the Lord. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. And the text tells us that for 75 years, the book of law had not been read. There were people in their late 60s and early 70s that had never heard the word of the Lord. And when King Josiah and his, his royal court and all the people gathered heard this, th there wasn't a celebration. There was mourning. There was sadness. They realized how wrong they had been. They, they realized for generations how, how wrong they had been, but they made a commitment to be a people of the book. They made, a they made a commitment to be a people who would read the law. And Josiah had the law read. Imagine coming to church and the preacher gets up and he reads all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You wouldn't even have to worry about where you're going to lunch. You'd just be thinking about supper. That's how long that would probably take. But that's exactly what happened. And it changed, for a time, everything. See, God's Word has that power. And this week, for the very first time, we're going to be able to introduce some students to the power of God's Word. Friday, students will go home with this memory verse. Your Word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Some students will go home with Psalm 119, verse 11. Your Word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's Friday at VBS. So what's the bottom line? What's this week all about? Is it about crafts? Yes. Is it about recreation? Yes. Is it about having fun? Yes. Is it about singing? Yes. Is it about Cody Monkman dressed up like some goofy mug doing the monk show every morning at nine o'clock? Yes. And you ought to come out, by the way, if you're free, you will not believe what's going to happen for our opening program. But more than anything else, VBS 2013 is teaching our kids how to stand strong for the Lord.
when it comes to understanding God's love, the power of other people, the power of prayer, the power of the resurrection, and the power of God's word. VBS 2013, it's not just another week. It's a week that's going to make all the difference in the world in the lives of our next generation. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. And thank you for the chance to, uh, to dive into uh, to what's going to take place at VBS this week. And Father, right now we are praying that as students uh, dive into your word this week, as they experience worship, as they spend time doing crafts that reinforce the lessons, that this week won't just be another week. This week won't just be uh, child care. This week won't just be babysitting. This week won't just be fun in the sun. But it'll be life in your son. I pray right now that there will be students this week that for the very first time will make the decision to follow your son Jesus all the days of their life. Thank you for the men and women that are making this week possible. And we thank you most of all for your son Jesus who makes all things possible. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It is invitation time as it is every Sunday here at our church. And if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I invite you this morning to come forward and to give your life to him. If you're in need of prayer, I'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you. I'm going to be up front. Adam Brucker, our youth minister, is going to be in the back. And if you need prayer, we invite you as we stand and Jim leads us in our song of commitment. Have thine own this time, I'm going to ask Mark Witzke, who is the chairman of our elders, to come forward and to call our congregational meeting to order.
Well, it's time for our <coughs> semi-annual congregational meeting, and uh, the meeting that takes place in the fall is typically our MAP process, our budget approval and review uh, congregational meeting. The one for the spring is to affirm those candidates that have been nominated to uh, serve as uh, elders for the next uh, sessions. <coughs> Greg had reviewed earlier uh, that Chris Moody is um, uh, being nominated for a one-year term. Mark Barons and Ty Osterberg nominated for three-year terms. Um, there's some formalities according to the bylaws that I have to cover. Uh, as far as reading of the minutes from the meeting last fall. <clears throat> but uh, additionally, I just wanted to uh, make a few comments about the year since uh, we last talked in uh, uh, June of last year. Um, shared with you during that meeting about paying off of the, the mortgage uh, for the church, and uh, we were all very excited about that. Um, lots of, has happened <clears throat> in the year in terms of Ernie leaving, and uh, we did an assessment uh, at that point to try to get a sense for where we were at as far as our strengths and some of our opportunities uh, in our children's ministry programs and youth ministry programs. Uh, those surveys results uh, have been tabulated and shared with the board um, uh, and staff. <coughs> the thing that we haven't done a very good job with is communicating that out uh, in mass to the congregation. I think we've had a few uh, sort of summary comments and so forth that have been shared, but uh, those details need to get out. So um, we're going to take care of that here in the short run, and that's, I take responsibility for that. That's, uh, I think, a little internal miscommunication on getting that uh, accomplished. So uh, additionally, <coughs> uh, just wanted to let you know, I think, as you see those survey results, what you're hearing about as far as next steps and also what you're hearing about in terms of some of the recommendations from that council, they all tie together. So uh, more to come on that front. <clears throat> meeting minutes from December of 12. Meeting was called to order during first service at approximately 9.15 by Mark Witzke. The June 2012 congregational meeting minutes were reviewed. The MAP 2013 balance were passed out to the congregation. Mark discussed the MAP process and thanked the ministry team leaders and finance committee under the leadership of Tim Wenthe. He pointed out that the MAP followers, the MAP follows our increase in priorities in missions, benevolence, and youth programs now that our debt has been retired. The ballots were collected. Mark ended first service and suspended the congregational meetings with prayer at approximately 9.20 a.m. The meeting was reconvened during second service at approximately 12.05. Mark repeated the meeting information above again and closed with prayer, which ended second service and closed the congregational meeting at approximately 12.10. First service ballots were counted by Mark Witzke and Russ Utterback. Second service ballots were counted by Mark Witzke, Jim Bob Taylor, and Johnny Weiss. The results were 278 yes, 29 no. The MAP 2013 was approved. Minutes respectively, respectively submitted by Ken Klein. One additional thing to vote for the uh, affirming of the elders you must be 16 and a member of this church so I know the ballots have been going out uh, anybody not have a ballot
I know that Mark, Ty, and Chris were first service. Are any of them here? If so, stand, please. Once the ballots are all collected, I'll close this out in prayer. You'll be free to go. We have them all? Okay. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to come together today uh, to worship you, Father, to seek your face. Um, thank you for this church, the good that it does in the community. Help us, Father, to um, be a church that prays. Father, just I ask that you pour out your spirit uh, on these new elders, Father, as they come and volunteer their time to serve. I ask that you put on the heart of the congregation to pray for the board, for the staff, as we make uh, and try to tackle some of these big challenges that are in front of us over the course of the next uh, uh, year to 18 months, Father. Just be with us. I ask your blessing on everybody that's here. Uh, be with us this week and bring us back safely next. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.